0: What would you say is the most important part of your day? And I don't mean what's the important part of your day that you have to work through to keep all your wheels turning and to keep all of your family following through on the right schedule. I mean, what is that part of the day that you look forward to the most that really gives you at least a few moments of peace and thought that helps you remember who you are or who you might want to be in the day that is in front of you. I imagine many of you, if you're blessed with such a moment, and sadly not all of us have time for that, unfortunately. If you have that time, it might be time in those early morning hours when you finally get everything in order with kids and grandkids and dogs and cats and husbands and wives and have a few blessed minutes to take a deep breath and maybe have that cup of coffee. Some of you might have an exercise routine, maybe a run before the sun is fully up to beat the heat, or you take a long walk a little bit later in the mid-morning. Maybe you like to get going as soon as possible to hit the road before that horrible traffic comes down in Jacksonville to get to your office so that you have a few glorious minutes to figure out your day before everyone arrives and starts knocking on your door. My wife, if she had it her way, would get up at 5 a.m. every single morning during the work week just so she should, could get herself down to San Jose Episcopal Day School, get into her classroom before anyone else is even in the building, and have a couple hours to go over her lesson plans before the children arrive. That's certainly what she'd love to do if she had it her way. Unfortunately, nowadays in our family, it's more likely that our four-year-old will have it her way and throw off our schedule. Whatever it is for you, that moment is probably a time that, if you were totally honest, you'd have to say, truly identifies who you are from the ground level. Yes, I know that all of us have those things we want to always be identified as by others, depending on where we are in our life or in our work. I always want to be identified first among people as a good priest and as a good husband. Audrey wants to be identified as that good early, in the, early to bed, early to rise teacher, mother and wife. Some of us want to be viewed always as good parents, grandparents, animal lovers, business people, lawyers or artists. But when you are up in the morning, having your cup of coffee, making your run, maybe listening to the news, or just thinking and planning the day that's ahead of you, that is when you're most likely to be your truest self. If for no other reason than those moments are when you are not required to be anything except who you are. And believe me when I tell you that time, no matter how brief it may be, can truly be the holiest moment for us spiritually whether we ever think about it that way or not i say that because it is that time when we are truly free to either talk to ourselves which some of us may do or to talk to god and it's the closest we may ever get to those thin places you often hear spoken about by those of us who work and try to find ourselves closer to the spiritual world yes The very Celtic Christian idea of a thin place typically brings up images of some location of natural or mysterious beauty out there in the wild. But really, a thin place, I believe, can also be right in your own home. It can be down the street, at Starbucks. It can be in your work office. It can be sitting in your car. It can be at your kitchen table. Really, it can be anywhere. Yes, you may just think of it all as a moment to be quiet and catch your breath. But believe me, it might just be the one place and the one time where you are as close to God as you can be. For me, from the beginning of my priesthood and certainly ever since I spent that month this past summer as a monk, I have been trying harder to make my quiet time into that holy thin place. To use it spiritually by not talking as much to myself or talking to the television or to my smartphone, but by talking instead to God and listening for God's still small voice as we hear from the prophet Elijah, which comes to us out of sheer silence. I am using that time as my time now for prayer. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, don't we already pray enough on Sundays, Father Donovan? Isn't church the real place that we're supposed to be praying, where we're supposed to be at our closest to God? Well, the answer, at least to the second question, is yes. The church is the house of prayer in the house of God. But really, we clergy would be failing miserably if we let anyone leave here on Sunday believing that this single hour was your only required time to offer prayers and thanksgivings to God. For really, prayer was never intended to only be done when we're together as a community in the church. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called from the moment of our baptism to begin praying throughout the day, every day. And we move further into maturity in our discipleship by coming closer to praying in every way, in every moment, as we breathe. It is the Apostle Paul who finishes his first letter to the ancient church in Thessalonica, perhaps the oldest piece of writing we have in the entire New Testament, who directs us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. That means that from the very earliest beginnings of the Christian community, prayer was meant to be the very center of faith and life in Jesus Christ. Well, okay then, but how are we supposed to do that prayer every day and every moment in our lives? Well, let me try to answer that more clearly for everyone. You see, most of us clergy would tell you that just like everything else we enjoy doing and working on in our lives, whether it's working out or just making that right cup of coffee, either by using an old-fashioned coffee machine or one of those new Keurig or Nescafe coffee makers or maybe even manually operating a French press, just like all of that, prayer also has a variety of forms and a variety of ways that we, as Christians, can put into practice. Yes, just a little talk with Jesus makes it right, as that old Baptist hymn always says, but practicing your prayer in its variety of forms and finding that way and that time in which to best make it a part of your day-to-day life, that is what can make a little talk with Jesus even better and even more meaningful. For me personally, prayer usually begins with making time to read the prayers of the daily office from the book of Common Prayer. I know by doing that, I am joining my prayers with Anglican Christians all over the world in those moments. But within that reading and praying of prayers in the office, usually in the early morning hours or at late at night when everyone in my house has finally gone to bed, I make sure that I also build into that time lots and lots of silence. Again, because I want to approach and hear that still, small voice that Elijah heard when he climbed up Mount Horeb to speak with God. That is what I do most often. But there are other ways you can build prayer in your own daily life as well. You can pray out loud. You can do as I pointed out with our choristers this morning and sing out your prayers. You can recite prayers that you know by heart like the Lord's Prayer or the Jesus Prayer of the Eastern Church. You can use prayer beads. We're Episcopalians, you can do that. You can use prayer beads to help you physically feel every prayer that you make or recite. Or you can spend the whole time in nothing but blessed silence, practicing one of the forms of deep contemplative prayer to open the ears of your heart to hear God speaking to you. This is the way we as Christians begin to deepen our prayer life and build it into every moment we have free to draw ourselves closer to our God through Jesus Christ. This morning we have the Apostle Paul with us. Again, speaking of prayer, this time in his first letter to Timothy, laying out the importance of not just praying constantly, but also how we construct our prayers. St. Paul is reminding each of us this morning to not just pray for ourselves, of course, but to always pray for others. St. Paul writes to Timothy, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and come to knowledge and truth. Now, if you're reading or listening to that with me, you might have noticed that Paul is going a little bit further with those others in his direction for prayer in the church. Whereas Paul certainly could have stopped with that prayer for everyone, he goes further, directing the church to include earthly kings and all who are in high positions of power in our regular prayer. We can glean from this epistle that Paul certainly knew how easy it had become at the very beginning for Christians to simply pray for those in their own church or in their own family or in their own personal lives. To pray for those in authority, on the other hand, people who weren't just those who you may disagree with or not like, but in the time of St. Paul could actually imprison the followers of Jesus and put them to death. To pray for those kinds of people would have been very difficult indeed. Here in our present age, nowhere near where they were all those years ago, every single time a president or a governor or a mayor is elected and we change those names in the prayers of the people we'll be doing in just a few minutes, someone, maybe several someones out there in the pews, get a little distressed to hear certain names included publicly in prayer. But for those of us who struggle with that, I'm not just talking about people now. I'm talking about people through every set of years and generations. For those who struggle with that, we have to ask the hard question. If we only pray for the people we approve of, what good is prayer doing not only for those who need our prayer, but for ourselves as people trying to live into the body of Christ? Paul says that prayer for those who are given power is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And it's really that which gets us much closer to what prayer is ultimately trying to accomplish, not just for those we're praying for, but for our own lives as followers of Jesus, prayer is at the heart a practice leading all of us to salvation and to the fuller knowledge of the truth of God's incredible love, not just for us or for our community, but for everyone. It can be difficult for us to get there. We could get caught up in prayer by asking God to do this or begging God to do that for us or for somebody else, but at its core, prayer is about something so much more important than that. It is a practice that brings us into the same rhythm with God and Jesus Christ. I firmly believe that in these decisive times in our community, in our nation, and in our world, it is prayer which can begin to cure the cancer of anger running rampant everywhere by forcing us to see everyone as God's equal goal for salvation, to view everyone in our life and in our nation and in our world as a fellow sinner, in need of that precious balm of Gilead mentioned this morning in the prophet Jeremiah. That balm which that old spiritual rightly declares in a nation that at that time was torn by the horrors of slavery is still that which can truly heal every sin-sick soul. Oh, what a different world we would be living in today if prayer was truly offered in every single breath we inhaled and exhaled for everyone through it, everyone, both those we pray for and those who pray for us daily might fully experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ and arrive at the knowledge and the truth of God's love for all of God's creation. Brothers and sisters, I want to finish this morning by asking you again, what is the most important part of your day? When do you have that quiet time to let go of all the faces and the uniforms that you have to put on when you walk out your door? When you can just be yourself, the person God made you to be when he first knit you together in your mother's womb. When you're holding that warm cup of coffee or tea in your hands or when your body is moving and your breath is flowing or when you're just sitting on your own in your office or in your kitchen. When you're in that sacred place, do you ever try to talk or listen to God who is right there next to you? Do you take just a little time for those supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings for all those good things God has given you? And do you offer prayers for those in authority over you or those who anger you, those who upset you, those who have caused you pain? If you've never tried it before, I beg of you to try it this week. Try it and find yourself beginning to love that important time and place even more so because you might just begin to find it changing your life and changing your view of your community and your world. Brothers and sisters, prayer is that balm of Gilead that can make the wounded whole and can cure the sin-sick soul. Try it.